welcome to another episode of Ordinary Old Catholic Me. I had a big 45 minutes this week. I got to go to a garage on Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles to have a nose swab test to determine if I were positive or negative for COVID-19 because I was exposed to someone positive about now 10 days ago. So this was on the sixth day that I went for the test. This time, the technician did both nostrils. The last time I had the test prior to a medical procedure, and I think that was in late November, it was only one nostril. And that was hard enough. Two required me to close my eyes and hum in an effort to distract myself for each 10 seconds. And then I came back home to continue the last few days of quarantine, subject, of course, to a negative result. I had no symptoms at any time, so it was nice to receive the news that indeed I am negative. The irony of all of this is that California of a sudden lifted some of the restrictions, at least those related to outdoor dining and I believe nail salons and hair salons, just as at the time it seemed the number of cases were steadily rising. But today I heard, although the deaths are high, the cases are going down. I don't get it. What happened to the science? I don't know but no one is consulting me. The litany of humility tells me that I should pray to be free of the desire to be consulted. There actually isn't anything on that litany of which I am yet free. I have a comfortable little apartment until the rare rain and cool in Southern California that came upon us this last couple of weeks. I could sit out on my terrace for a bit of air, but pessimistic character that I am, I can't parenthetically truly imagine what I would be like without the presence of my Catholic faith, given what I know about how I am with my Catholic faith. Anyway, this last week's more intense restriction, that is my quarantine, more than that which California had placed on its citizens, in conjunction with the circumstances of the history around us, nationally and worldwide, my imperfect psyche and soul have both been on the proverbial razor's edge. I self-congratulated, for I had managed to remain not only civil, but cheerful with Derek, the guy in the garage who probed my nostrils. But I always know how bad it is with me when in private every little thing. The fact that the wire to my vacuum cleaner pulls out of the outlet, the fact my glasses fall off my shirt when I bend down to pick something up, the fact that my cats are constantly asking me for food, no matter what time of the day, since I'm here all day and I've been sleeping late and getting to bed late and my schedule is really kind of mixed up since I've been just here. The fact I can't find something I consider important at a particular moment, and that sends me into an absolute paroxysm. All of these things send me into a paroxysm of cursing. I had this idiotic thought that even Jesus cursed. 
the idea being that if the son of God, the son of man cursed, well, maybe this isn't so bad if I'm doing it when I'm upset. The best I could do was to find one episode in which he cursed, which was at a fig tree that he thought had figs, which did not. And then the second, but I don't know if he actually cursed, is when he was throwing people out of the temple for bartering in God's territory. Talk about hubris, me trying to compare myself with our Lord in this thing and getting myself off the hook. And besides, with me, it's a lot more frequent. And Jesus was engaging in expressions of teaching, at least with regard to the fig tree, about the failure of the leaders of Israel to bear fruit despite having the appearance of goodness. What I'm doing when I'm doing this is just venting. I worry sometimes about the ease with which I fall into the sin of anger. I did say several acts of contrition after each episode, but I am not sanguine that they were even close to perfect ones, which is a requirement. This feeling has been coming on all year, but this is what I have particularly felt during my quarantine period, like I'm being overtaken. Here's the image. It's one I actually saw on my computer or in the paper. Actually, it was a video and I didn't have the heart to press play. It was a picture of a car parked on a road on the left of the screen, probably somewhere in Hawaii. On the right of the screen, a large hill of molten lava, black and with the, with the spark of all the actual lava, the fire within the block that was moving was approaching the car. According to the headline, I could, if I pressed the play button, watch the car being consumed by the lava. That's what I've been feeling like for much of the year as COVID, quarantine, politics, vitriol, and the apparent end of American civilization have loomed over us all, like this mass of lava is approaching me. Some of us may feel that everything in the U.S. and the world is terrific now, but a lot of us don't. And most of us are not conspiracy theorists thinking that space aliens are communicating with us. We are regular people who feel we are being had by virtually all of our leaders, and that includes our spiritual ones. I don't want to sound melodramatic, but I know this will. There are days that I cannot stand being in the world as it is now. I thereby hope not to be accused of believing that the past was perfect. No, but it was progressing toward an ideal it proffered. More was right than was wrong. Today, everyone is pitted against the other, and it's called progressive. At first, I couldn't quite put my finger on what got to me specifically this week. I've watched a variety of Catholic thinkers on YouTube and other sources lamenting and also trying to explain what's happening. That the church is sort of going along with this Americanized concept of we're pro-life, but we're not going to push it into the society. We're not going to let our Catholic faith intrude on the life of politics, as if politics is never 
informed by anything moral or religious. I will never get that because if you read anything about the founding of the United States, anything up to like the 1960s, clearly an underlying principle was that faith formed the United States along with the philosophical concept of natural law, but that no religion would be established, like, for example, in England, where the state religion is Anglicanism. But since JFK, the concept of Catholicism in a politician, and now we're back to it again in a dramatic way with Joe Biden, is that I'm a devout Catholic, but don't worry, anything that a devout Catholic believes isn't going to be impressed in any way. It's not going to tinge anything that I do politically. That's arguably problematic enough, but something new has been added that I actually haven't heard anybody discussing. Maybe they have, I just haven't heard it. And that is that Joe Biden, the new president of the United States, and promoter-in-chief for abortion, for example, has somehow also become the head of the Catholic Church in America, or maybe kind of a co-pope with the one in Rome. And this is happening in two ways. It's happening because the media has approved his form of Catholicism, and in fact substituted it for the one that I have understood Catholicism to be, and many other people have understood Catholicism to be, but two, that Mr. Biden is carefully creating that image for the media to latch onto. And third, people are buying it hook, line, and sinker. What seems to me to be happening is a kind of, let's call it a 1619 project for the church. And that is church history and church teaching is being rewritten utterly, except for very few priests and bishops who, by the way, are being marginalized by their own. It appears in this new sort of visual that we're getting, this optic that we're getting, that the Catholic Church has abdicated the tradition, the magisterium, and the catechism to the true Catholic, Joe Biden. As I said, America was founded on evil in 1619. Remember, Mr. Biden has decommissioned the 1776 group that put out a report regarding the nuances of real history in favor of a new history that is being taught to our youngsters. The Church of Christ and its teachings have apparently been mistaken for 2,000 years. I said something earlier about lava feeling like it was encroaching upon me. In a way, that's what I think is happening right now with the church. There's this mass of psychological lava that is flowing into the church and the people of God and is going to take it over if it already has not done so. I was happy to see that certain elements of the hierarchy put out a strongly worded concern about Mr. Biden's unvarnished program to make abortion one of the keystones of American policy. In fact, he seems to want to codify it in the American structure, but it seemed to me that their words were 
they kind of came after the damage was done. Now that he has four years to destroy, or try to destroy, the pro-life movement, with proportionality being the primary focus during the election cycle, it seemed to me that a large, if not a predominant part of the clerical leadership preferred Biden as a potential president. There were a couple of bishops, I think, who even said it outright, although obviously they weren't endorsing anyone. But does not his agenda, his stated, unvarnished, absolute agenda mean that once he's elected, once he was elected, as he has been, nuns and hospitals and pro-life advocacy would be adversely affected, if not utterly identified with some kind of crazy alt-rightness. George Orwell's 1984 is getting a lot of play right now because of the feeling that so much of what he predicted is happening in the United States and around the world right now. And one of the concepts was something called doublethink. Normally, we can't hold two contradictory thoughts in our heads and maintain a form of psychological homeostasis. But to me, this is an example of double think. Abortion is, according to the Catholic Church, the preeminent moral issue. If you can find another good reason to do so, abortion is no longer the preeminent moral issue in your determination to vote for a candidate. A candidate who will do everything in his power to guarantee that what is preeminent will be destroyed as an issue for the Catholic Church and for humanity. How can you remonstrate with Joe Biden now to change the way he thinks, which they knew up front was antithetical to their position? So I think it's a reasonable question to ask, is the Catholic Church currently pro-life in fact. If there is going to be a governmental Damascus moment, it isn't going to be because someone sends a note to Joe Biden that goes into the circular file. Joe anyway has convinced the American public that he knows what good Catholicism is and it ain't that archaic stuff in the catechism. How can any Catholic in this society be denied communion for publicly advocating a position that is antithetical to church teaching. If it's okay for Joe Biden or any other Catholic politician like Nancy Pelosi to be pro-abortion and pro-anything else that the Catechism or the Ten Commandments might condemn, heck, it's okay for little old me and you. Kind of feels that we Catholics are in the Yaha times again, kind of like we were back in 1965. I mean, should I be glad to hear that it has been ordained that there is no longer the sin of abortion or the sin of anything else? The question is, who is ordaining it? If Cardinal so-and-so says that he is going to give Joe communion, then that's right, right? Now, to me, this is the height of contradiction for my head, and yet... It is apparently appropriate to the law of doublethink. If I believe what my church teaches, and I advocate what my church teaches, and I vote in accordance with the moral principles, which, by the way, most of society used to accept, which also are in accord with what my church teaches, like 
a civilization doesn't kill its own children, then I'm on the wrong side of history and I'm on the wrong side of religion by believing that which the church ostensibly still teaches. This is driving me crazy. I don't believe abortion is a grave wrong just because my church says so, but because my human nature tells me it's so in a philosophical sense, in a sense of even a platonic good, if you will, but that my church says it makes it impossible to ignore when someone in a position of authority who puts great emphasis on his Catholicism and says it influences him, completely abjures that which the church teaches. What difference ultimately does this all make to me? I ask myself. I am retired. I am a senior citizen according to the statistical charts. I can live what remains of my life, go shopping. If ever our society opens up again, I can go to concerts and the movies and to museums. I can even go to church, believing whatever I want. I probably won't be here when the churches are forever finally closed. I can order takeout. I can check my computer. I can do some reading. I can take a trip or two. And when we are again allowed to do so, visit a friend or two in some exotic climb, even if the whole world is falling apart around me. I don't need to convince anyone of anything. And as long as I mind my business, no one is likely going to bother with me, except insofar as they bother anyone else or restrict anybody else or tell everybody what to think. But something in me keeps saying, I must care. I'm expected to engage the world, even if it terrifies me especially if the cause seems completely lost. I was trying to remember where I heard that before, and it was in a movie, of course. What else in a movie? Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Jimmy Stewart, young senator in 1930-something, goes to Washington, elected from some small town. A rube, according to everybody in Congress. He finds out that, gee whiz, Things happen in Congress, in the Senate, that aren't exactly on the up and up. And he finds himself on the wrong side of the people who are in positions of power. He engages in a filibuster, something which, if our current administration has anything to do with it, we will no longer have. And in a raspy voice, after many hours of trying to hold the floor and get people to support his cause, he says to the senator who was his mentor, who has turned out to be as corrupt as everyone else, that, Senator, someone told me that the lost causes are the ones worth fighting for. In the middle of this week, while I was cogitating on all of this stuff in quarantine, I got a call from a friend who said that we, meaning we fellow Catholics, perhaps Christians of all denominations, need to be doing something more with our prayer than we have been. I mean, people have been praying. There are rosaries being said all over the world. EWTN, Relevant Radio, small religious groups you can find on YouTube. Rosaries are being prayed. But she was talking about a parish-to-parish rosary battalion. That litany of humility I was talking about earlier, 
as many of us as can be gathered, need to humble ourselves before God and beg him to spare us the fullness of the chastisement which seems to be upon us and which a whole world is ignoring at its peril. I have to be productive, meaning a strong soldier of the battle of prayer and not a complaining wimp. I have to stop expecting of my leaders what I cannot even begin to deliver myself. I have to ask God to build up my soul and the souls of my confreres so that we can be a productive group, productive servants, and join these other servants in sending our voices to the heavens in humble petition. And my guess is that when I do that, maybe I'll stop feeling so much an edge because the world is so precarious. Today, this last day of my quarantine, I found that I had enormous energy, so much so that I completely rearranged the furniture in my bedroom. I cleaned. I did a little touch-up wall painting. I ordered food online. I'm ready to do the rosary. I'm looking forward to joining with the battalions of other Christians who will get together to do the rosary, to send up our prayers to the heavens through the Virgin Mary, the mother of our Lord. It is possible for our leaders, clerical, state, national, world, to have a Damascus moment. After all, nothing is impossible with God. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Ordinary Old Catholic Me. If you are liking this show, even if you don't always agree with everything I say, do please, do please go on to the podbean.com site and click like or favorite or follow, whatever it is that's on that site. I get confused. In any case, I hope you'll listen next week to Ordinary Old Catholic Me.